Hello, and welcome to Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. I'm your host, Harrison Greenbaum, and this is being presented to you by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. Uh, if you want to join the IBM, if you aren't a member already, just go to magician.org slash join the IBM slash join. This program is every Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. EDT, 4 p.m. PDT. Um, so make sure you tune in every Monday and Wednesday on IBM's page or on my Facebook or YouTube channel. You can follow me at Harrison Comedy. That's on Twitter and on Instagram. It's youtube.com slash Harrison Greenbaum. Uh, and all that out of the way, uh, on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern uh, Daylight Time, EDT, or 2 p.m. if you're on the West Coast, Lance Burden will be airing his movie Billy Toppet for the IBM. It's a screening. It's interactive. So make sure you tune in for that. Um, but I am so excited. Uh, there's not just one, but two guests today. It's the first time we've ever done a father and a son. And uh, it's amazing because I know both of them separately. Uh, I do stand-up and I do magic. And uh, Nate is from the stand-up world. Steven is from the magic world. Uh, and they're uh, in the same family. Uh, they've been performing together. Uh, and the first album, uh, Nate's first album, Yelled At By A Clown, uh, his uh, first special, Full Time Magic, uh, and his new special on Netflix, Tennessee Kid, all reference uh, his dad, who uh, you might know. He's the international president-elect of the IBM. He's won a ton of awards. He is uh, beloved by uh, magicians around the world. Uh, so make some noise, get excited for two of my favorite people, soon to be yours, Stephen Bergazzi and Nate Bergazzi, everybody. Give it up for them. Hello. How you doing, guys? Good. You do understand that magicians give each other awards, right? That we oh, yeah, somebody to pay for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It, it's just, a, it's all a game. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, Nate, do you have any comedy awards? <laughs> uh, I did. Uh, what did I do? The Boston, the New York Festival and Boston Festival. I mean, you would have been there, Caroline's. Yes. Yeah. 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 When we did like 2008 or something like that, and then when also, uh, you know, the March Madness tournament that we used to. hundred uh, percent. It was, was a sports competition fun. for people who don't play sports. Yeah, it was. That was a fun. <laughs> that was when. We, that was like a good time to do it. Like I think it's gotten. I don't know if they're still doing it anymore, but it was a. Uh, when a big they would do a March Madness type bracket, and we'd get to go through it, and you know, and have all these comics doing a minute, then whatever to ten minutes, and it was a fun time. Yeah, because everybody really shines when they only get one minute to do stand up comedy. That's all yeah. it takes. I was always jealous of the as for comics, like I know the magic world, just because you know, with my dad, like, but I always think the uh, magicians have a very tight knit community, and you always do, you know, they. Uh, they do all their magic conventions and stuff like that. And I thought that was always kind of fun. Like comedians don't have, you know, we have festivals. So that's kind of, you know, something that you get to go do. But the conventions, I've been to a couple and uh, I think they're always very fun and a, a good hang. I always wonder what a stand-up comedy convention will look like. Would comedians be willing, like magicians, to pay to go for a weekend and listen to like lectures and see shows with other comedians? I don't know if they could, uh, they could tolerate it. I don't well we, we we have to you know the magicians do they do shows and everybody's excited to watch each other's shows where comedians it's just like I don't know the response with the you gotta have a response with the joke and like so it's you know I don't know it's like uh it just depends you know I don't that, that sounds you, like my nightmare is trying to do a, sh a show for a thousand people that are only comedians. That would be the worst. I mean be the worst, biggest open mic ever. That would be it would get real dark real fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually funny because I, I met you first, Nate. Uh, and then 
people, every time I was at magic conventions, people say, oh yeah, Steven's son, you should meet Steven. His son is this really funny comic. And I was like, I know, he's one of the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that way I met you, yeah, it was in New York a long time ago. I mean, it was 10 years ago or something. Uh, we were both bouncing around there. And so, yeah, and when I met you, you knew my dad. And that's how I can always tell when you meet a magician, when they, if they know my dad. Yeah, somebody has already said, I remember Steven getting an award from the Irish Dancing Girls in Nashville a few years back. What, yes, what kind of award is that? <laughs> we don't need to talk about that on air. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but let's go a little bit into your, your, your collective bio. Uh, so Steven, you were a clown uh, and then you fully transitioned into uh, magic. Full-time magic. Full-time magic. And that inspired the title of Nate's first special. Yeah. 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 Nathan owes me a lot of money. <laughs> Do you have any rules uh, about being included in Nate's act? None. Matter of fact, me and my wife have bets on who can get in the most. And it's, it's, it's a, and all of our whole family does. My uh, His brother and sister, all of us take great pride in being part of his, one of his stories. Do you worry about that or do you, is it, if it's a bit as funny, they, they, it's got to go in? No, they've always been, I mean, everybody's been so great. They were always so supportive when I first started. And, and uh, so they like it and they could never, you know, dad always says like, you can never offend me or I'll ask him, like, if we do stories about his family that we did about Tuesday, my president and stuff. Yeah. And I, but he'll, they, the, the, that no one, everybody's pretty funny in both of our families. Like, the Bargetsis and my mom's family, the Hard Tongues, everybody's very funny. Everybody's got a good, good sense of humor, and so everybody's pretty cool about it. And then my brother and sister are very funny. My sister's very funny. She, she'll she tell you. She's funnier than me. Uh, <laughs> my, my mom does the same thing. She says my, my sister is the funnier one, even though I'm the professional comedian in the family. Yeah. My mom says that my mom's very funny, too. Uh, so everybody's kind of got their uh, funny sense of humor. But everybody's been very cool and no one cares. And I've not had them. I tell them, like, you know, if they remember something, especially my Abby on Derek, my brother and sister, like if they remember any stories or anything that pops up that we kind of randomly talk about. Like I'm, a, I'm doing a story now in my new hour, but it was from my, I think it was my brother, like brought it up. And I was like, and I kind of didn't remember it. And then, uh, then we just kind of talked about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's great. And I put it in. That one involves both of them, mom and dad. So, I, I have a picture of uh, I think it's your nephew and it's Stephen's uh, grandson, who I heard has been opening with you on some of your dates. He did Zanies. He opened for me. He, the first time we did it, he uh, Caleb. He opened and he came up and I mean he destroyed. He did. <laughs> That's he did. infuriating. Don't you hate it when somebody who's just starting is just crushing it? Isn't that good? Yeah, he did three to four minutes or something. And then was bringing me up and dad, my dad brought him up and then uh, Caleb went up and just did, he's really worked on his act. My sister helped him. They would call and tell us the jokes beforehand. And he was just, he's got a great stage presence and he's very funny. Uh, not, very confident, not scared of anything. And, no, uh, and he transitioned well, and brought Nathan up like a pro. He just, like, <laughs> wow. The funniest thing he did was so after he did that, so it was it was a Zanies, it was sold out, <laughs> and three hundred people, and they uh, so my so my brother because my brother teaches at the school that Caleb goes to and uh, told him was like, hey, do you want to do the you should do the talent show and do your stand up at the talent show. 
And Caleb was like, ah, you know, I just don't, I don't perform for kids, you know. So <laughs> he, he, after his first thing, he got a, he got his second gig, and he denied it because he just thought, you know, I don't, I don't do kids shows; they won't get my stuff. So he didn't want to do it. <laughs> well, Stephen, you were the opposite, right? When you were starting out from going from clowning and then magic, was it mostly kid shows at, at the beginning? Only kid shows, and I, I worked in a theme park, and I would be a magician. For what happened? The other magician guy quit. And then I was a magician uh, four or five days a week. And then on weekends, I would be a clown. And I was Yo-Yo the Clown. And then in birthday parties and all that, I was always the clown. So how I kind of did both it the, off the, the Yo-Yo? How did, how did, was that a hard process or was that just the first thing? Yeah, you know, uh, I thought I was going to be really good at the Yo-Yo until I met somebody that was really good with the Yo-Yo. And then I just said, forget Yo-Yos. I'll call myself. I didn't change the name, but I, I took the Yo-Yo bit out of my show. Because uh, this rock a baby and and a couple things is all I could do, and I, I found out that ain't nothing. <laughs> well, I have a picture of you in your theme park days. If you want to give me a little uh -oh. context for this one, ah, uh -huh. that's a great. <laughs> I don't know how you got that. That's a great picture. Nathan can probably tell you that picture. Well, I don't remember what you were doing. I remember you came home, but you were doing. weren't you at a amusement uh, park or something? Yeah, I was doing a park, and then I got there, and they go, well, today you're going to be Batman. <laughs> thing. So I go, oh, oh, cool, I'll be Batman. But I said, the only deal is I get to take this costume home and uh, with my kids for a couple of days. And they go, sure. And so uh, I came home as Batman. Is it? Because I know, Nate, you, there, you talked about your dad being uh, at the Easter Bunny. In one of your specials, yeah, is there is it a little bit better when he's Batman? Does that feel a little bit cooler, or is it all always weird no matter who he's coming back as? Well, he picked the right age when he he so he drove home with Easter Bunny when yeah. I was, but I was five, uh, so it was. I got that. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, so that's a that, terrifying Easter Bunny, by the way. It well, I mean, that's a, yeah, nineteen eighty one. No, I mean, it had to. You used to try to get that guy in that little car right there because that's what he had to drive in. And I had said, I said, you keep your head on. So he's he's all bent over. <laughs> so we pull in. Those ears won't bend down. No, so, they, they were hard plastic. <laughs> yeah. He so he 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 dad knew that when the time out. So like when he comes on Easter Bunny, it was very cool because I was the age where that would be very cool, and then I was the age where Batman was also. And I mean, it was a real Batman costume. It was like one they do at a amusement park. So it was like yeah. the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like the Michael Keaton one. Like it looks. Yeah. Really it was really before Michael Keaton. I'm sure he used that same costume. It was awesome. I don't think dad could fit in that costume now. But. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> that would be a pink. funnier Batman though. I would yeah. love to see that. I'd be a better penguin now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I would love to compare and contrast because so Stephen, your your parents were not in the entertainment field. No, uh, not at all. So, what was that conversation like with your parents telling them that you were going to be a full time entertainer? Well, since I ran away as a teenager, it was quite easy because uh, <laughs> they didn't know anything about. It. They didn't, you know. My mom seen me one time ever. Uh, she saw me with Lance Burton and friends doing the show, but um, and Matt King, but. Um, it was my cousin took me in, Ron Bargatze, and his, he got me my first job because I had run away and he kind of showed me what a real normal family was like. And then on my first paycheck, I was working in a grocery store. I came home and he said, okay, give me half your check and I'm going to deposit it. And I said, well, I bought this dub pan and I bought 
And so I introduced him to the magic world that you have to buy stuff because I finally had money for the first time. So I had spent all my paycheck on magic and and he's and he famously said, you're never going to make money with this. This is stupid. From now on, I'll take all your check and I'll give you back what little you you want. But uh, my mentor, Tom Hart, told me that if you're going to do it in the magic, he said, you got to make money with magic. And he said, the first thing you do is put a, a birthday party show together and charge a hundred bucks. And that's what I did. So I bought enough stuff for a birthday party, a run rabbit run, uh, a dove pan and what else do you need? And then I started doing shows and, and I stuck to that rule. I only bought magic with money I made from magic. And Nate, uh, I, I imagine it was a very different scenario, but do you remember the conversation you had with your dad telling him that you were going to do comedy full time? Yeah. I mean, there wasn't an ounce of hesitation of, them being, you know, I don't have like the typical, I mean, you know, like I know you went to, you went to Harvard, right? Like, and so you're, you're, you're much more of a disappointment than I can be. I was, in a, I was working at, uh, he I was mean, in college and failed every class, including bowling. Yeah. So we knew he wasn't going to class if he failed. Wait, how do you fail bowling? How is that even? That's a great question. I don't know. I'm actually not even a bad bowler. And my <laughs> grandmother's in the bowling hall of fame. We actually have bowling in our blood. Uh, we knew he wasn't doing that. In Reno, Nevada. Yeah. 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 But wait, they, how did you fail it? I just didn't go to class. I was like, it was the little bit that I went to college and it was, you know, I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was, it just wasn't going to be my thing. So when I, when I told them I was, I was working just a regular job. And when I said I was going to move to Chicago and do, and do comedy, they were, unbelievably supportive. Like I never had an ounce of, I mean, I wasted so much of their money. <laughs> like I was like, we got to pay for this contest. Like, you know, you remember when you got to pay for all those contests when you first, yeah, every you gotta, fee. Oh, I mean, I was like telling them we got to do this one and I got to do this one. And like one of them was the Lou Pearlman. You remember that guy that went to, he went to jail. Yes, the, the Backstreet Boy guy. So he had a big contest thing in Florida where kids would go down and, you know, basically like almost like a America's Got Talent, but like not on TV. And so I was going to go do that. And they paid for that as like a thousand dollars. And then there was a hurricane and it just got canceled and they didn't get their money back. No, we didn't. Yeah. So they, they but they just. Feel, not surprising because the guy's in jail for like five, I mean, all sorts yeah. of fraud and crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he uh, so they were my I mean, they were just nothing but supportive. When I moved to New York, they would always. I mean, I, you know, I saw Brian Regan. Uh, I remember the first time, first, Brian Regan was the first comic I ever listened to. And I did it because dad bought a CD of his, like at a gas station. And, and then, and was like, listen. Yeah. And so had to, told me he had to pull over. He was laughing so hard. And, you know, I never heard of him at that point because he wasn't. Now Regan's obviously kind of, everybody knows him. But then this was 2000 three, you know, he wasn't huge. He was selling comedy clubs out. And then he was coming to Chicago and dad bought me tickets. So dad would, I mean, they were always like, if someone was coming big at a club, you know, when I was first starting where I still had to buy a ticket to get in the club, they would always buy the ticket and put money. You know, I had my, I had a bank account that my mom and dad could get into until not too long ago. So yeah. they would always be, just pumping money. All of a sudden, we can't get in it anymore. I don't know what happened. But yeah, I don't know where it's going now. It's got to reverse, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I had guys, when he went to New York, I knew a lot of magicians and 
uh, DeCamps and Dave Casaro. I had other guys that would check in and we, cause we were giving him money for his apartment, helping and to make sure he was out there on the streets, handing out the flyers. And then he was working. Cause I wasn't going to give him money to hang, to not work. Right. And so, so we, we checked up on him pretty regularly just to see that he was doing it. And Nate was always the guy that was always out on the street. He was always working. And was there a balance? You, you obviously had to do it. You know, you're, the money that you're using to buy your magic tricks is the money coming from your magic shows. Uh, how do you strike that balance between obviously wanting to help your kid and also wanting to give him the the freedom to, to do it on his own? Yeah, uh, well... He didn't live in a nice place. <laughs> his house wasn't the best. He didn't eat really good. We just paid his necessary stuff, anything. But I never wanted Nathan to be, you know, to look back at his life and go, oh, what if I would have done it? When, you know, I wanted him to say that when he, if he walked away from it, he was going to walk away from it. And uh, I remember it, when he got married, his, his, uh, Laura, his father in law came up to me and he said, you think he's about done playing with this stuff? Is he going to get serious, get a real job? <laughs> I didn't have heart to tell him he was a pastor. And uh, to, to say he, he's making more than you are. <laughs> but I didn't say so, that. So Nate's wife, who you you met when you were, I think you were 16? No, when I was uh, 21. Oh, 21. Yeah. Uh, but that her parents are come from like a ministry background. There's a lot of religion in that on that side. Yeah. Your dad is doing comedy magic. Does that go well together? Is that does that how how does how do the families when they come together for holidays? How does that that work? Well, they, well her dad loved. I mean, her. I mean, the, her her parents loved dad, and like so. One of the first colleges I ever did, I performed at Belmont in Nashville. It was right after I did the CMT comedy stages. So they asked me, you know, I, I booked a college, you know, and like I forget, I might have made like a fifteen hundred dollars or something like that, which was crazy. You know, it was the first, you know, just the most money I've ever seen. And you go from $8 for a spot and then it's 1500. It's yeah. Yeah. You're making $1,500 a year. And then like for one show <laughs> and then you, uh, so I, I had, it was in Nashville and I had dad, uh, I told dad, I was like, he's got to, he had to come cause I didn't have enough time. Like I only had like 30 minutes. So then dad, so I had to have dad come, but I mean, I told dad, I was like, don't go crazy. Don't, you know, I was like, you need to do a lot of time. I don't, and by the way, I'm not paying you anything. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to do it for free and you can't, I was like, don't kill too hard. Cause he'll destroy. Right. I mean, he still does now when he comes out, you know, I mean, they love him more than me. Like, but so, but I was like, you got to do, but you got to do a lot of time because this show needs to be an hour and a half and I can't do, you know, he's basically doing 45 minutes. And so, but her parents, her, her dad came to that. And I mean, he loved, uh, I mean, he loved watching dad. And so, he was very, you know, they were, they were super, uh, someone told our, our, my brother-in-law on that side of the family, uh, told me once or, or said something that he told his, my wife's dad at one point, they went and saw me at Zany's and he went over to him and said, Hey, he's going to be all right. So don't, you know, Laura will be fine. Don't worry about it. But they were definitely, it was definitely a different thing. You know, my family is obviously excited about it. My parents used to like living by check from show to show, you know, how you, you do a show and you're like, well, we do this show and they'll pay for this. And then that show will pay for this. So we grew up, you know, we had stuff like that. We had, dad had, I remember when we were yeah, always had great Christmases because you had all the Christmas shows. 
uh, you know, at, at Christmas time, I worked so much, and they would always have good Christmases because they all came from shows. I used to have great Christmases as well because I'm one of the, the Jews that's willing to work the clubs on the on those nights. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's I mean, a, you would work every. I mean, yeah, you would clean because they would do shows, especially in New York. Those oh, shows yeah. would be huge. They had the King Davids of comedy, the Mushu Jew show. They had every variation, <laughs> like a name that would remind people that there were Jews in the show. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of like creating your material, do you guys? Like, Nate, did you pick up stuff from Steven in terms of how you approach developing your comedy material? Or is it a completely different approach because what you're doing is is stand-up versus sort of comedy magic? I think, it, uh, I mean, it's different the way you create it. I think what I got from him, and I don't think I realized it until after, was, I mean, A, the work ethic of it, of being obsessed with it. And, you know, he's done had magic. He's done magic. He's always worked on magic his whole life. He was always doing stuff even just sitting around the house was flipping around with a coin or, you know, something just even watching TV was just turning a coin in between his fingers. Like always like card, like always working on, you know, just handling of sleight of hand and stuff like that. So I think I picked that up and then, all, and then the, my timing, I think kind of comes from, it has to come from him. It has to be just his cadence and his, the way he can, his pauses, I don't pause as long as he can, as he pauses and sh but it's like learning to do that stuff. And it was stuff that I didn't realize till later on when you do it. It's not like you, it's not like a, something exact, you know, it's just something that you realize that you're like, Oh, okay. I can tell that the way I talk and if I'm slower and I do this stuff, but then when you're telling jokes, it is different than, you know, magic is like, you have something that you're just, as you know, like when you do stand up, it's all you're by yourself and you got to your words have to be the thing that kind of run through it. So, but yeah, I definitely did pick up stuff, you know, I mean, just being around it without even realizing. And Steven, have you now picked up stuff from Nate? Like I imagine Nate, Nate, Nate is so prolific and funny that he's probably rubbed off back on you too. Yeah. Nathan, uh, I get now, I mean, cause we had a long talk not long ago, you know, he says you're taking too long. You're pausing. Cause my guy, <laughs> Because, you know, I come out kind of weird and sometimes I just walk straight off and don't even say nothing. Just walk off the other side. And then I'll, I'll kind of be timid. I, my mind always said I want to hear that. I've seen Stephen pause for an hour before he gets a laugh. He's 100 percent right. <laughs> That's because I had to follow him. But uh, <laughs> John's one of my favorite people ever. But uh, but. I wanted comedy to happen in people's minds, especially because I didn't bother. I had black and white checkers. I still was a clown even when I became a magician. I, I was in a costume. And so I, I just wanted people to to think and and make funny things in their own mind about what's going to happen. And, and I do tend to do that too long sometimes. I, 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 I would agree with them. Clown costume so people can visualize it. Yeah, there's there's Yo-Yo and Little Nate and stuff. Little did I know that that picture would go everywhere. <laughs> well, it's one of my favorite album covers of all time because as soon as you see it, you understand so much about your family, about what's going to happen in the album. It's just, it's perfect. And you sort of owe uh, McDonald's a little bit. I think there's a Ronald McDonald's in there. Well, you know what? Uh, my mentor was Tom Hart. He was Ronald McDonald. And so I would go with him when he got ready. Everything's Ronald McDonald. I had to do it by the finger and the remark. And uh, I had to do everything just like Ronald made. I had to make my own wig and do all of that stuff. So, yes. Um, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but uh, Harrison, I talk funny. 
So it was hard for me to be uh, straight. So as a clown, I had a great clown voice. And so it was, so that's why, it, it, but the clown gave me the courage to eventually become just a magician and take the makeup off. But yeah. I was a clown for about nine years. For those who don't know, it was the result of a, a, an attack by a dog, right? Yes, that's right. And I would tell clowns, clowns asked me how I got my voice. I'd say, get a dog. And, uh, but, you know, clowns aren't dedicated like they used to be. And now you have a dog. Have you, was, was, was your dad's experience with the dog, did that affect your decision of what dog to get? No, yes. I, I'm not getting a bulldog for sure. But uh, we had kids and then with kids, you got to have pets. And so we've always had animals, but now we don't, now no animals, but uh, all my kids have pets. That's amazing. I, during, we did the Matt King roast together. And one of the, the, the roast jokes that I remember was, uh, man, why are we, it's not fair to be making fun of Steven. How can you roast somebody who can't say roast? <laughs> that was one of my favorite joke. Yeah. That my was, favorite, uh, yeah. did, did Nate help you with any of the jokes or uh, did you get to uh, employ him for that? Yeah, no, for the roast, I didn't ask him. Uh, uh, Rick Merrill and Dave Cassaro kind of helped me a little bit. You know, David, I think. Yeah, uh, and, and how do you know Rick? Me and Rick Merrill hit it off, just met at a convention before nobody even knew who Rick was. And uh, somebody said, you need to look at this guy. And he came up to our hotel room and he, and he showed me his little Sharpie stuff. And, and just like, wow, this is unbelievable. And then, then uh, he started going the 4F. And uh, I've been closing the show for almost like maybe 17 years now. And but after about four or five by myself, I thought I'm, I I got Rick in, and then after about four years, we got David to help write for us, and um, so we we've, we've been buddies ever since then, and hang out. It's a great family, and just we've gone on vacations together and stuff. Strange couple, but yeah, and, and the winner of a, a FISM award too. The only the fourth American to ever win uh, FISM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it really gone to his head. What a lot of people don't know is that's all Rick has. He has he has eight minutes. And um, and that's it. Well, you know what? We should probably ask him because this show does have surprise guests all the time. Uh, I shouldn't have never said that. First of all, I don't think he can use a computer. Meryl forgets his favorite Meryl. Yeah. For the record, uh, it was true. The first time I met Steve, he said, come up to my hotel room and show me your little Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, Oscar also, Oscar Bunez from IBM said, yep, Rick does have a little Sharpie. <laughs> Unbelievable. I was, I was talking to Rick before, and uh, according to Rick, and Nate, tell me if, if this rings true, Stephen can talk anybody into anything. Yeah. Has he yeah. ever used those powers for good or evil? Uh, I mean, you know, I was trying to think he made, I mean, he just made us do stuff. I didn't really get this. He wasn't having to persuade us. He just made us do it. Uh, but I think he did it for all of them. And I know there's been a lot of magicians at our house and my mom's had to deal with all that more than anybody. <laughs> yeah. And Rick, do you have any stories about Steven convincing people to do weird stuff they might not have done otherwise? Yeah, a few. Hey, real quick. I love the contrast here between Nate's uh, perfectly manicured bookshelf and Steve's monstrosity behind him. It is a study of contrast for sure. He's, he's never thrown anything away in his life. No. Did you know Steven was on the cover of uh, uh, The Linking Ring? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so does everyone else that comes to visit him. 
<laughs> you have extra? Do you have a box of extras? Uh, no, I got two left. <laughs> That's amazing. So my my best story about Stephen, Nate's involved, though he doesn't know that he is. Uh, so as Steve mentioned, we always close the 4F convention. And uh, basically every year we're, we go with no act. And so we have to watch all the acts. And then we just goof on them at the end of the, uh, of the Saturday night show. And so a big part of that is actually watching the acts so that we can get material. But uh, as is the problem when you have your best friend who's at least 15 years older than you, uh, you not only do you have to listen to stories more than once, but uh, every time we go to 4F, Steve would forget something. And so we had to make a trip here or there to pick up some something that he needed to live uh, to live with. And so the last time uh, he broke his cell phone on the way to 4F. And so we had to, you know, in Batavia, New York, there's no uh, quick iPhone repair place. So we had to drive 45 minutes, missing all these shows, right? Missing all this this gold that we were supposed to be mining for the Saturday night show. And uh, it was going to take them three hours to, you know, we had to sit around and wait for three hours for them to fix it. But luckily, uh, this is where Nate comes into the into the story. As they were writing up Steve's paperwork, the guy behind the counter goes, Bargazzi, do you know Nate Bargazzi? And so we quickly looked at each other with that little, oh, we are so in. And Steve, you know, spun the tale about how, you know, he was Nate's teacher from a very young age and he groomed him throughout his life to be this comedian. And the guy was, the guy loved Nate. And uh, so he moved Steve's phone to the front of the line. We were in and out in 15 minutes. And uh, that was our, our best 4F ever because of Nate. So thanks. All right. <laughs> Ah, oh, the perks of uh, be, knowing Nate. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, sad to say that is the only perk that I've experienced. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. Many. It's very weird perks. Yeah, right. <laughs> Time-saving perks. We can... Uh, only in Batavia. Only in the Batavia Apple store. <laughs> we yeah. cut the line at Golden Corral once. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have any other stories uh, about Steven? No, I'm sure you don't. Yeah, just maybe one or two. Uh, so the the best thing about Steve uh, is that he can use his Southern charm to talk people into anything. And by that, uh, we do some pretty outlandish stuff on the Saturday Night Show. And to do that, we have to get people's permission, right? We have to ask the people that we're about to make fun of if they would be if they would go along with X, Y, Z. And Steve is the master at telling. <laughs> whether it's a famous magician that they need to wear a thong or <laughs> if it's a famous magician who recently got to, his wife left him and, and we need to make fun of that. Steve gets the okay from him, whether it's uh, hiding a woman under the table at 4F and uh, Steve cutting a slit in his pants so she can put her hand out as fly to move a coin. Um, you know, imagine this poor woman. There's only like three ladies ever at 4F every year. It's the thrill yeah. of their lifetime. And Steve comes over and chats them up. And next thing you know, they're, they're being asked if they'll hide under a table and, and uh, you know, navigate his little Sharpie to move a coin from one side to the other. It was great. It was yeah, pretty funny. All this. I got Rick in a bird outfit. Yeah. Somebody actually asked about that. Oscar asked, uh, ask him about the bird suits. We wanted, we wanted to do one where we were like two doves up in the top and we were watching the magician. And we were going to come and tell the truth about magic. 
<laughs> and so we had we uh, all the whole show was just about how magicians lie, you know, like this last ace the hardest one to do. No, it's not. <laughs> so we yeah. just like we just wore magicians out. That was great. People love the linking rings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder how that works. I wonder <laughs> what's going to happen in the Lincoln rings trick. And Nate, knowing all these stories about Stephen and all the the mischief he's up to, was it harder to get in trouble knowing that he was getting in as much trouble? Uh, I mean, I don't think we knew. I mean, when we were growing up because I didn't go to one of those conventions until I was already doing comedy. So I, I never knew what they really were. Like, you know, he would just go and go do them. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't really understand, you know. Mind's eye though, because you knew your dad was going to something. Did you have like a weird, did the image of what you picture match up at all to what the reality was? You know, I don't think it was like, I was like, I always say this, like magic was like just so I was around it so much that it never, you never was as curious as you like someone who like my friends were way more curious than <laughs> I would have been just cause it was like, I it was just in my face. Like I, you know, magic, you know, I mean, being a, growing up with a dad that's a magician just kind of ruins magic for you. You just never enjoy it. Like you don't get to enjoy it like everybody else enjoys it. Cause I mean, I would have to like, we could be sitting around to, you know, just watch trying to watch TV and he'll be like, here, watch this trick. And you're just like, Oh, I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't want to watch this trick, not work. Like I get to see it fail. And he's like, all right, give me a second. I'll be right back. And then he's got, you know, so like it kind of just anytime magic. I mean, we were once at uh, something where, and the magicians are going around and they came to me and was like, let me show you this coin tricks. And I'm just like, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm polite about it, but you're like, I don't want to see your coin trick, man. Like I, my whole life has been someone trying to show me coin tricks. So just <laughs> let me just go show it to someone else. That's going to be way more excited about it. Like, and not like kind of know it. So magic. That's, that's good advice for anybody that comes and meets Nathan after a show. I'll, I, I can't tell you how many of my magician friends want to come up and meet, meet Nate and show him a trick. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Hey, go ahead and just tell him tell him a joke instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He loves that. I definitely should put that out there. He loves other people telling him jokes. It's his favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> as long as possible. He loves a real long story with no payoff. That's his favorite. If you can each come up with a few bits to give him after the show, he I'm sure yeah. he'd appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Give me all the tags, all the tags you want. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'm gonna just tell you, I'm like, ah, right, you know what? That is good. And then I'll, maybe I'll use that. And I, I, I don't know if I will, but that's what you say. It's hard to use someone's tag, you know? Like, oh my god, yeah. It's We're like me on the road. Comedy magic, like especially in uh, doing stand up and comedy, you know. And, and magic is you can tag people's stuff because it's, it's a lot of one line things or whatever. And then with stories, it's it's just such a different like your rhythm of how you're telling something. And so someone tells you something and it's like, even if it is funny, so I mean, I've, there's been plenty of times I've been given tags where I'm like, yeah, that's very funny. I just could never say, I would never get away with saying it. And so you're like, I can't do it. And like, you know, you can try, but it's very hard to get into the groove of how you're speaking. Has anybody ever given you just like a dirty tag? Or like, have you not seen my stand up? I don't, why would I, <laughs> these are not words that I would say. We, I mean, I, you know, starting in New York with that, but every comic that's dirty, like they would always say stuff. And I'm like, what are you talking? Like, have you listened to anything 
you know, I, I could be talking about parking and then they turn it into something that's way worse. And you're like, why would I ever go that? Like now that my whole act has got to change. And, and Rick, by the way, before we let you go, and thank you so much for joining us, by the way. Um, oh, hey, now real quick, does it look like I have jaundice? Am I a little yellow? No, it looks good. All right, good. Oh, yeah. Now, if you went full yellow, you look like a, like a Simpsons, which would be cool. <laughs> I think um, the jaundice you want right now, it's coronavirus. You don't want <laughs> <laughs> Jaundice is one of the... Is, is be, you know. <laughs> uh, you have Carol Bergetti's favorite in your thing. Um, how do you think, and I'll ask Stephen and Nate afterwards, but how do you think uh, she's been handling all of this? Is she the saint of, um, amongst the clan? Uh, yeah, she has to be, right? And uh, and as as Stephen always says, like she's uh, she's the funniest of the group. So, um, you know, God bless her for putting up with 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 Stephen for all these years. And uh, I'm I'm sure she loves Nate like a son. <laughs> but uh, but the the Stephen thing, like I've I have heard. I have heard her take him to task, and it is wonderful. Yes. <laughs> Mainly for things like this. Oh, uh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, thanks, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, I, like Rick. Without, I like that without context. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and how long have you been friends with uh, with Steven? Well, ever since Nate got big, really. Uh, I just kind of... <laughs> it's all... Uh, no. It was uh, back in, in 2003 or 2004, right? Quite honestly, uh, I wasn't known in the magic world and uh, nobody knew me. And uh, Steve was just a nice guy and um, took a liking to me and uh, showed me around and introduced me to people. And so from that, um, from that regard, like he really is my best friend in magic. And I see every time I'm with him, um, there's always somebody that wants to stop him and talk to him. And, you know, I get annoyed because I just want to go to dinner. Right. But we're walking through a lobby. Um, but the amount of people that that he has touched through magic and just through his life is amazing. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him. And, I've, and watching him be so proud of Nate is uh, is pretty cool. Um, so he's a, a, a great friend and they've got a great family. Oh, that's amazing. Rick, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Uh, it's such Take a pleasure, guys. To you. And right. I'll get to talk to you later, man. Thank you so you much. Right. Rick Merrill, everybody. That was so sweet. Yeah. Too sweet. Uh, wrote in. Anthony wrote, Stephen was a huge highlight of my childhood. He was always encouraging me to be the best entertainer I could be. Love the days at the It's Magic shop. Wow. All right. And I like that this show is becoming the anti-Tiger King because unlike that show, Carol is the hero. Uh, right. okay. a, lot of, a lot of people showing up. We would love, we love us some Carol. John West saying Carol Strong. Uh, John right. Archer saying he touches me, which could mean <laughs> anything because it's John Archer. <laughs> John Archer's a sick man. I don't know if people know that about him. No, but uh, well, one of the things that I found that came up in both of your bios, and I don't know if they're connected, but uh, you guys both done USO tours where you you perform for troops overseas. Uh, which one of you did that first, and did one of you influence the other to do it? They uh, took me into doing it. Yeah, I did it first, and then I went over there with uh, Scott Kennedy, who's uh, passed away since then. But uh, he did it. He would set it up, and it was just going over, like, you know, went to Iraq and uh, Kuwait and all that stuff. And it was unbelievable to get to go do that. And I always told Dad that he should go. And then he started going over there with Jason Michaels, and then they've done it a bunch. And 
it's just an amazing experience like to you know to go do that go get to do something like that so i did it yeah but i did it first i went over i think like 2007 or something that was a big one that you talk about my mom well even when dad goes worrying my mom that's a that's a that's a brutal one yeah at one point we were all at one point me and my brother and my we're all like somewhere different in the world like my brother was in africa doing like his mission stuff and uh my sister i think went over and saw him and then i was over there like and we were just all in these places that's awesome though is is there do you have to convince did you have to convince your dad that it was safe enough to go over there? Or was it just about saying like, this no, is a you just go. It's my mom convincing her that it's fine uh, for him to go, but he would just go. I mean, you know, we, dad would always be, it's always fine. He's going, I mean, you know, as he gets older, we don't want him to do as crazy of things that he wants to go do. You know, he still climbs into the, the, the audience when he does this, his show. And so we're, you know, we always have to keep an eye. We, we keep an eye on him because he'll do anything. I mean, he'll do, you know, it's something that I learned to do. It's all about the show. It's all about the laugh. It's always it's about all about the laugh. And so he'll go do any of that stuff. So, uh, you know. Somebody yeah. asked a great question. Uh, Michael Costa said, when Steve opens for Nate, do you guys announce that he's your dad or do you try to keep it separate? I know you talk about him in your show. So dot, dot, dot. So that was the first, that was one of the things that I talked about. So we, uh, we don't really announce. I mean, we maybe had a couple of shows where we announced that he's on the show, but uh, after the Tennessee kid came out and then we, and then I talked about him in that when people would come see him, when they bring him out, I mean, it's, I might as well be saying Jerry Seinfeld's walking out. Like they, he gets a standing ovation when he walks out. So they lose their mind. When he started coming out and he'd come out. They all, have all of your albums and they've seen your special. So he's a, he's somebody that they know already. They already know. And so they don't know. What they don't know if I'm real. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. So when he comes out and he would come out slow, I mean, that's when I was like, you got to go out. You got to, you got to go quick. I mean, they're so excited <laughs> to see you and it's such, and then when he does his show, it's, I mean, he does so good that they can't like this, you know, what? like, I mean, I feel like a lot of times if you're like, I'm bringing my dad out, like it's going to be like, they're excited to see him, but then they're going to be like, what is this going to be? Are we going to just have to sit through this guy's dad or something? But when he does the show and they lose their mind and they don't get a standing ovation when he's done. And so it's like, that's where it's like now, like I've said, like you got to like say goodnight. Like they're so excited and he does so good. And I mean, it's hard, you know, I always have to kind of get them back. I mean, there's there, when I walk out, you know, there's a moment of like having to, like everybody's got to calm down and they're they're, they're so pumped to see him. And I'll try to do a joke. Like, I mean, a lot of times I'll be like, that wasn't my dad. We just hired that guy. Uh, (laughs) And so that was in, yeah, this picture is when we did Vegas together. My favorite picture. I I happened to mention it was my favorite picture and I got four of them for Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Every one of my kids gave me one, and my sister gave me one, Cindy, and so I've got four of them. But uh, no, it is that. You know what? I didn't know that was even going to happen. But uh, it's it, it's we've had some great audiences and great shows, but that's just a moment you're never going to forget. Yeah, and is there? I mean, were, did you have to establish ground rules, Nate, when you brought Stephen on the road? Were there rules of if you're going to be my opener, this is what you have to do? 
Yeah, no, he, he does like. Uh, imagine it would be very hard to fire your dad. Yeah, it would. You know, it's de it's definitely different when it's your if your dad opener versus someone else. But we now have it down, and it's easier when we do. Like now we're doing these theater shows, and so it's different that we have people there to help, and they go grab his stuff off the stage, and you know, like so. It now it's like a good. It's kind of a well old machine. Uh, but no, it was always, I mean, he would just always do so good. I mean, like, yeah, if he was bad, maybe like, then it would be, you know, he's that good. Uh, I also have this picture. Uh, it's Steven in jail. And I hear, I hear Steven was doing a show in prison and then Nate somehow got brought up. Yeah. That's a good story for Nate to tell, but yeah. I'm and some guy stands up and goes, Hey, I'm friend. I know your son. Yeah. But that's a new. That's in the new uh, hour. That's in the new hour. So I can't completely tell that story. Oh, not a problem. Oh, that's a great story. It's good, but it's a good. It's a good story. Follow you tell the story when you went. Twitter and Instagram at Nate when he's coming to your hometown. You might see uh, a preview. Yeah. The next special. The next special you will hear about this story. Uh, it's a yeah. It's a crazy story. And but you know, I took with me one time. My first prison show was I, which I do talk about in my uh, stand-up thing, is when the guy went to pee. Right, like I mean, I was just we're just in the middle of the prison, and Dad still does these. He just still does these shows, and so we went and did one, and uh, they and I'm I'm just doing my act, and then a prisoner just has to go to the bathroom, and the bathrooms are behind us, and they're you know they're in prison, so they're just a halfway wall up, and a guy. Sorry, guy pees and then just looks out. Literally, right behind looking at the audience. <clears throat> and do you feel safer doing the prison show or the military show? Which ones do you, are you more worried during? Well, you're trapped in the prisoner show because <clears throat> you're in there. But I mean, the military shows. We never had anything happen uh, when we were doing it. But I mean, when I went over there one time, we drove through the streets of Baghdad in like a convoy and that was pretty crazy because we left like we were in camp liberty in baghdad and we left the green zone and then went to the red zone and so the the, the there's about the scaredest i ever was over there whereas the kind of intense was right when we get out and they're like you're now in the red zone and you hear all the guns kind of turn on and and then the way everybody's looking for i when they're driving through them looking for every any bag any like if there's a trash bag on the side of the road they have to look for that see if it's like an ied or something so that was the only time we were ever, nothing happened, but it was like intense for you. Like if something's going to happen, it's going to happen here. Uh, so that was the only time that was like crazy. But that was, I mean, we stayed in like Saddam's palace when I went like. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, you know, it's crazy that both of us have stayed in Saddam's palace. I mean, that's, right. that's a, you don't, you can't just go to kayak and buy a ticket to Baghdad. Right. And so, did you take any, any golfing while you were over there? I did. There was a mat and you could hit into his lake. So they had, so I, uh, I hit some balls into Saddam's lake. They said when he, when they, when they first went over there and they had to uh, like go into his house, you know, he had like, Saddam had like palaces all over Iraq and he would, every one of them would run as if he was there. So they would cook three meals a day at every one of them whether he was there or not, because he didn't want anybody to know, like, you know, you didn't want to look like, it's like, well, he's obviously not there, no one's working. So right. he would do that. When they broke into it, he had a safari. And like, so he had lions and tigers 
And so like all these soldiers like break in and they're taking over his place. And then they're like, oh, there's also lions like walking around. Like they had to like deal with that as well. It was, yeah, it's a pretty wild, you know, I mean, it was, it was obviously a crazy place. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. I, uh, I also noticed that there's a poster in the background uh, in Steven's uh, room. Uh, I think I have the same poster. Is that the 10 funniest men in magic poster? Yes, it is. That's, that is awesome. I, I, I feel like of all the people, you're probably friends with every single one of those, those guys in that poster. Uh, I am, uh, no doubt. Yep. Is, there any, is there anybody that you're particularly close to? Well, my king and uh, it's probably that, David Williamson, my king, Michael Finney, Jeff Hobson, all those guys are really close friends of mine. And Nate, you know Mike a little bit too, right? Mike Finney. Yeah, Finney, yeah. Yeah, I, I always did his, uh, he did a golf celebrity event. And uh, he gave us our first stage to work together. The first time me and Nathan was on a big stage was with Michael Finney. And he gave Nate, Nate a chance to, to be, before Nate was Nate, before a lot of people knew who he was, Michael believed in him and gave him a, a lot of chances. And, he, and it was really great. I was always the super young guy there. And I mean, I would be like 38 years old. And they had, I mean, I might as well be 18. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's uh, let's confirm that story from the man himself. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Mike Finney. Let's see if we can get him in. There we go. There's Mike. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Michael Finney. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? All right, man. I'm glad you're up. <laughs> About <laughs> minutes, a person woke me up, so I just better see what's going on. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that show you booked Nate on? What what made you put Nate on the show, and uh, how, how how did that show go? Um, gosh, I'll tell you. Really, now I'm set up. Harrison, thank you for getting me all set up. All right, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Yeah, yeah I, I'll use that actually. Here, in. There we go. Okay. I, I just, um, is that, because I turned off my phone. I was able to get my computer working. Thank you. Yeah, that looks great. Hey, you're a genius. Yeah, that looks great. Okay. So, um, geez. Steve, you said, hey, my son does comedy. Can we bring him? And I, yeah, let's just bring the, uh, I didn't know Nate at the time. Um, Steve was pumping him up and I said, okay, man, bring him in. And then I couldn't get him, you know, every year he was like the first list if he wanted to come back and help us out. Um, I, I don't, I just saw an opportunity to bring a friend's son on and uh, his son. I'm sorry, Steve, your son's funnier than you are. I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and I, and you, I say that all in jest because you guys both have your different styles, but we just saw a couple of here. The kid that came out in great job, and then the house was about twenty five hundred people. Select theater, which is where Nate and just killed it there his own uh, house. I mean, it's been a blessing to me having both of you in my life. Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah, I, I just saw Finney was my first. I have it up here. It was my uh, – I have it in my – Was I have two. It was my first billboard. It was, it was, it was Michael Finney. And they so they they sent this, uh, and so it was my uh, first billboard I ever got put on. It may be my only one, uh, and <laughs> so it was doing all those shows. We got to perform, and you know, I just saw Michael and recently at uh, in, in in where we did a show in the in the theater, the the celebrity theater, which is in the round, and I just did a show there, you know, before all this stuff happened, like uh, February or something. And yeah. came out to the show, and so it was very cool to get to, you know, have him come out because I've mean, I've been to a bunch of them. My first one, Bill Ball was the headliner, and we did, and it was a theater, it was twenty five hundred people, it was most people I ever performed in front of. And oh so, man, you re you were when Bill Ball came in? Yeah, that was the first. That was the first one I ever did. Oh, it was at the Dodd Theater, and it was about five hundred people downtown Phoenix. We bust everybody down there. And everybody thing and Billy all went on and did like a full hour. Uh, I think you were there when came thing, and then Foxworthy went up an hour. So I've been yeah, I did that too. All these great guys. I don't know if that's yeah, the back show, but there's Nate yeah. and even with uh, with Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Foxworthy and Ball could sit on this conversation and be uh, probably just as entertaining because I like Nate and being amazed that Nate and Steve were father and son. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome, man. And, and, and Michael, I, I have the same poster behind me. So you've been, uh, you're on a lot of magicians walls. I think. I'm so lucky. I don't know how you put it all together. It's just, uh, I mean, I just go back to tending bar and to be a good bartender and then learning some magic by a fluke from a guy. And then just, I don't know. I never thought about it the second time. I just went and did it. And so everything that I've done in and down and because of magic. So I'm lucky. Oh, that's awesome. Th Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I appreciate you uh, logging in last minute. Uh, and uh, hopefully I get to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, man. Michael, everybody. And thanks uh, again to Steve and Nate. I mean, I come to Tennessee. They take care. They took me often. I mean, it's just a great French magic tournament. And thank you, Harrison. Thank you to the Bussy. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we're now coming up on the uh, uh, towards the end of, of this show. But before we do, we want to make sure that you guys get all your questions answered. So if you are watching this on Facebook or YouTube uh, or on Instagram, uh, just send me a question. And I'll make sure uh, we relay as many as we can. Uh, and while those are coming in, uh, by the way, Suzanne said, hope y'all are good. I remember babysitting Nate. Look at him now. <laughs> do you remember your babysitter, Suzanne? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember the Hawkins. Yes. Yes, the Hawkins family. Yeah, I don't remember how old I would have been. Yeah, uh, 14, 15. Yeah. We could never leave Nate at home by himself. <laughs> oh, no, I I was older than my sister, but my parents always left a babysitter because I was always, she was, they were always worried I was going to do something dumb because I was book smart, but not street smart. So <laughs> I like lay things on fire by accident. And yeah, they knew they knew better than to leave me alone. We actually had, true story, the, I, uh, my ma manager, 
was babysitting Nathan and Derek and Abigail and a tornado came within 300 yards from our house over a river and she just called me so she they won't listen they're out in the yard filming it so Nathan and them was outside trying to film this tornado come over they said they won't come in so <laughs> I already got one question from uh Sir Patrick uh Patrick Thurnsey said did Stephen ever try to teach Nate magic have you ever tried no, Nathan's never asked. Derek, my other son, he has asked, and I've taught him some to do on the mission field and sometimes he, stuff he does in the class. Uh, but uh, Nathan and Derek, they get all these books when I die. <laughs> they, can, they can learn. He's never really asked to learn anything. I think maybe one trick one time. but Well, you did. I always say I can't do magic, but I can ruin it for you. <laughs> you know, uh, I know a lot of it's done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I ask him how stuff is done all the time. I, I do ask yeah. that. And then, you know, and I like telling people I can't tell them like, it's, you know, you're not allowed to. So <laughs> he taught me one the, a coin trick. I remember him teaching me when I was like five or six on the bus. We took a bus. It's like my mom worked at a bank and we took the bus to go see yeah. my mom. And I remember him telling me, showing me one uh, trick of it. And then, yeah, I don't know. I just I would always see it and I was always around it. So I don't, you know, I, I mean, I always think of it like my daughter, like would be, you know, you think she's going to want to do comedy, but like they don't, I don't know. You just, you're so close to it that I think that it's like, you don't think to do it. Like right. you don't think to like practice it. And I would see how much he had to practice it. And so as a kid, you're like, I don't want to practice something that much. Like, you know, it wasn't until I started comedy. Comedy, which is just as hard. Well, then you find the thing and then you and then you fall into it. I mean, when I was growing up, it was it was not it was like learning all the math. I mean, I would just see it and I was around it so much that I just could see how hard it was to do it. And so it was just something. But then, you know, that he always did comedy and I would we would do shows like we do stuff at my church. They would do him and a friend of ours, Wayne or Wayne Denton. They did this Ned and Jed character. And I would do some stuff like that, like like almost like some sketch stuff and, and just later the oracle yeah he would always do so one thing that they always did they always went to like this the children's hospital and dad would do this magic and they'd do these balloons they blow balloons and so we could never blow the long balloons i don't i still couldn't to this day and so they him and uh my dad my dad and then my brother would go do it and then uh, the bakers another family and they would come and they would always do a show. And so they always had us. I did it one time and then never did it again. I thought it just never happened. And I found out like a year ago, dad, my dad and my brother have been doing this show for 20 years. Like, <laughs> I thought the show was canceled. I thought we just didn't do it anymore. <clears throat> and they just like, I got pushed out and now. He could blow the balloons up. <laughs> up. And like, I mean, just like, like three years ago, they were like, oh, I'm going to do that. That well, we have the, the dare. My brother's like, I'm we're doing that hospital show, and I'm like, y'all, y'all are doing it again. They're bringing it back. He's like, we've been doing it for 15 years, and I was like, I got just booted off this show. Uh, so before we go, I'd love to try uh, our version of the newlywed game. So if you have a, a, right. a pad and, and paper around, I was going to yeah. ask a couple questions, write your answer off camera. And then we'll compare and see if you guys have similar answers or totally different. Right. Uh, the first one is, and I think I might know the answer to this one based on what we've already said, but who's the funniest person in your family? 
All right, Stephen is still working on it. You might yeah, need to get in trouble. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Uh, who did you guys say is the funniest person in your family? Mom said a tie between my daughter and mom and Carol, his mom. That would be a tie. That would be. I would agree with that. Abby's very, very funny. Uh, and now let's try this one. At what age did Nate become professionally funny? At what age do you think Nate became funny enough to uh, justify it? Wow, well, that's a. Uh, I didn't think when I was uh, like. And by the way, Derek is commenting. Derek said, still going strong, my longest gig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now Derek's just rubbing it in. I know. Uh -huh. This is when I, I think when I'm guessing. Wow. See, I would say, well, 19 is when he was really first starting oh. to do it. I mean, professionally, but 28. Yeah, I, I like some of Nathan's early, early stuff. I think he should bring it back. The deer hunting and all this different stuff. He had some funny jokes way back then. My dad does that too. He goes, oh, there was a joke you used to do. It was so funny. Why'd you stop doing it? And I was like, because it wasn't getting a response. <laughs> <laughs> but we liked it. Right, exactly. And then I the remember Nathan's first joke. That I don't know if Nathan remembers that. We got him a joke book. And yeah. he read this joke. And uh, he got it. Because he, he started laughing so hard, trying to tell us the joke. He couldn't even tell it. And then he was crying. He goes, this is a... And he understood. And he was about seven. And the joke was, waiter, waiter, there's a spider in my soup. <laughs> and the waiter says, no, I messed it up. Sorry. Yeah. He said, waiter, there's a fly in my soup. And he goes, don't worry, the spider on the spoon will get it. The spider on your bread will eat it. Yeah, yeah. See, he knows it. <laughs> yeah. But he understood that joke. And I honestly remember telling my wife, you know, he, he not only telling me, he understands why that's funny. And he was about seven when that happened. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, I got one last uh, newlywed question. It was submitted right. by Rick Merrill. Oh, God. And he said, uh, what is uh, your, uh, let me just, oh, yeah. It says, what's the absolute must at Thanksgiving dinner? What is an absolute must at Thanksgiving Whoa. dinner? He said he thinks you guys are going to have the same answer. We will find out. I might not spell it right. And I have I have Rick's answer. I can. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I mine is mine's ketchup. Yeah, that's what Rick said. Rick said you guys would both oh. for ketchup. That is ketchup. That is ketchup. My I, dad likes turkey. I always ham. I don't like turkey, so I, my ham's always. I gotta have ham. Yeah, but he's gotta have ketchup too. But ketchup is dad put ketchup on every ketchup was very much in our life. <laughs> well, uh, as we wrap up, just so you guys can follow Nate, it's at Nate Bergazzi. Twitter uh, for Steven is Steven Bergazzi, P-H, not V, website magicofsteven.com. Uh, one of the questions in the comments is for Steven, uh, and it was a really interesting one. Let's see if I can find it. It is, uh, it basically was asking you, what is, where is it? Uh, there it is. What's one opinion about magic that you have that you think others would disagree with? Wow. That is a good one. Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, you know what? I, I know the one thing that I would get criticized for a lot is I turn my back to the audience and stuff because it's so much my character. And also being mean to kids would be one. I, I'm not afraid to be mean towards kids because I know how to play with them. 
but I also turn my back because my, my character is, is, I want people to see me and go, they don't know, am I right? Something's wrong with him. And, uh, and it's just like, I don't even know what's happening. So that guy would turn his back on people and just turn around and look around like, okay, let's do this. And, and I know a lot of directors and people in magic would lose their minds at that. You can't turn your back on the audience. That's a good one. That's just something little. And Nate, do you, do you have a similar, well, actually, you know what, in terms of, cause you've seen a lot of magic at the conventions and, and things. Is there something that from your comedian perspective, you would change about magic to make that, to make it better? Uh, I think they need to probably write, someone need to write their own material. Yeah. Be, there's a lot of the same jokes that all of them use. And, you know, jokes are just so delicate in, in stand-up. So we look at it different than they do. And the, the joke for a lot of magicians is uh, it's the, the magic is the, the thing and the jokes are the, you know, but I mean, comedy magic is huge. And uh, you know, that, that, that there should be, a, I mean, a lot of guys do it and a lot of them are very funny and the way they do it, but they need to, uh, you know, you need to have that in there. Cause when you do like a show that if you're not funny, cause a lot of magicians are not funny and they do, and they do it straight. Yeah. If they do that too, then just do that. Don't like, you see that where they sometimes want to be funny and then it's like, it doesn't go good. And you're like, yeah, just do, do your magic, dude. Like, just don't, like people are still, you're still giving something to them. Uh, I can honestly say that Harrison is one of the best that there is out there as, as combining the, the comedy and the magic. It's ma your magic is very, very strong. But I mean, I, I'm envy of you because you, you have a great sense of stand up in it because you can do a lot of stand up right in the middle of your tricks. You're still doing stand up and well, it's awesome. Because I'm doing most of my shows, I'm doing straight stand up and uh, and okay. then I'm incorporating that into my magic. So people always it always looks very different because most comedy magicians don't have the stand up background. No. All of a sudden, I'm just I'm trying to fire you know a joke every 20 seconds or 10 seconds. Uh, that, and that's my whole lecture, Nate. Is, it's called You Are All Terrible, which is available at magician.org through the IBM. <laughs> you Are All Terrible. And the main thing is trying to get them to think more like stand-up comedians because everything you do in your act, uh, and Stephen too, uh, is original. It's stuff that you write. Uh, it's not based on other stuff. And I'm I always try to encourage magicians to sort of take that approach. Right. Yeah, it's a good, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great, you know, and yeah, like I said, you did it. I mean, you were with us and all the stand-up clubs and, Something that yeah, magicians could could do is get into that stand up world and have to go up there, you know, and go up there and stand without your, you know, dad can go up without his magic, and like that's a huge thing. Like you know, if a magician can go up and not, you can't touch your magic. You can just got to do your jokes. You know, that's that's a one way. To, I mean, you just get thrown into the fire. Like you have nothing to fall back on, and it's a good way to even learn how to. Do it, learn, and you would be able to do that. You did that. You could go do if you had to do stand up when we're in New York and you couldn't do your magic. You were able to go do time, and, you know, instead of being up there for a minute and then being like, I need to do something else. And it all just helps each other. Well, it's funny because I came into this backwards where I always admired Nate, and you were always one of my when people ask who's the best stand up, you were always on my list. And then seeing Stephen, realizing, oh, there's. There's definitely a, a, a genetic link between the two for sure. Yeah. And, uh, now, and now you have a daughter. Is she funny? Do you think she's going to take on the family business of entertainment? She's fun. Yes, yeah, she's funny. Uh, she's dry. Funny. Yeah. 
and like, you know, can be very animated and stuff. Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, she wants to be, she loves horses right now and she loves <laughs> dancing, but she's very like animated and, and can be very funny. And I'll be very interested to see uh, if she does it or not. You know, maybe she's too close to it. Maybe she's too around it too much and she won't want to do it. And then, you know, my nephew, but I mean, everybody, my other nieces and my brother's kids are all, you know, they do, they, they get a lot of talent, you know, yeah, we have, we can definitely do a talent show in our family <laughs> and you're going to get a lot of different kinds of things. So is there, any, is there any job in entertainment where if she got it, you'd be less than happy if you're like, all right, you can be anything you want, but a juggler. That's the one thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? I feel like a musician, for some reason that always drives, you know, like if you got into music, like uh, music sometimes drives me crazy because uh, I feel like they get, you know, you can be a bad musician and people just want to see it so much. So I'm always like, I don't know, that always, I don't know. M music is like, you know, if someone pulls out a guitar and you're like, oh, it's infuriating. Because uh, they just get, they get something, you know, I don't know. No, I don't know what she could, yeah. Or she could go the other way. Like, would it be weird if, if it's magician, comedian, accountant? Yeah. 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 And uh, the final thing I, I've asked uh, every guest that's been on the show, um, there are a lot of young magicians. I think there's also just a lot of young uh, comedians and performers who are watching this. If you had uh, a piece of advice to offer them for they for them as they pursue a career in entertainment, what would it be? And Stephen, we'll start with you. It's going to be probably what he says too. It's all about time. Just got to put in the time. Uh, I did uh, when I was doing clowning. Uh, you know, I had that birthday show, then I then I did that. I was still always doing other magic and doing time. I would go to parties and friends and my brother's house, and anybody had a party, and I would volunteer. Look, I'll do thirty minutes, and just to get that. I didn't care. It wasn't about the money. It was just about getting up in front of people and putting the time in, so I can get all of that down. And, and you know that, and listen to your audience. Well, you know, like you said a minute ago, sometimes. A, a bit loses its thing. Is it's not funny anymore? You got to let it go. And uh, sometimes the audience will tell you if you're funny or not. Listen to them. That's awesome. Yeah, as the same. I mean, it's, it's really. It's you know. I always say, uh, be obsessed with it. You're you're choosing a uh, career that you're not owed. No one needs you to do this. No one. You know. You're not like a you know, a health worker, you're like you know, a police officer, you know, you're not something that someone needs. So if you want to how essential you are when there's a pandemic outside. Exactly. We're the first one to go. No one cares. So, you know, you gotta make your worth, you know, for people to eventually pay to go see you. So you have to be obsessed. There's no shortcuts. That's something I learned with that watching dad grow you know, growing up, there's you, you gotta be obsessed with it. You gotta do it every day. You gotta, you know, uh, you, you get you know, just yeah, you got to put in the time, you know. Maybe you get lucky and maybe you get to blow up quick, you know, but odds are you're probably not. So it's just a long haul and you got to keep doing it and just, uh, you know, just you end up there. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so, so much for doing this. This was an unbelievable pleasure. If you want to follow Nate Bergazzi, it's at Nate Bergazzi. Uh, and if you want to follow Steven, it's at Steven Bregazzi, uh, magicofsteven.com, P-H, not V. Uh, guys, thank you so, so much. Please stay away, stay, sa stay safe and stay well. I combined them. I said stay, uh, yeah. stay well, but uh, that's a whole different thing to say. Uh, but yeah, stay safe, stay well. Thank you guys so much. And hopefully I'll see you guys soon. Thanks, yeah.
See you. Love you, Nate. That was Nate and Steven Bergazzi, everybody. Please follow them on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, it, this is all presented by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. You can join them at magician.org slash join the IBM slash join. This show is Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum every Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. EDT, 4 p.m. PDT. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Harrison Comedy. Uh, we have uh, an insane guest for Wednesday, so uh, stay tuned uh, when we announce that. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching. Stay safe, stay well. See, I got it on my third try. Third try is the charm. Uh, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Thanks so much, everybody.